Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Collect and Spec podcast, the podcast all about the world of collectibles, technology, and entrepreneurship. I'm one of your hosts, Akil, otherwise known as Rainy Day Collectibles Online. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris, otherwise known as Wolf of Tin Street. How's it going? It's going great. Had a wonderful Thanksgiving, taking a ton of COVID tests because I did travel just to make sure that uh, not going to get anybody else sick. How did uh, how did your Thanksgiving go, my man? Good, good. Same. I uh, had uh, took tests before Thanksgiving, did a very small total of four people uh, with my in-laws, um, whatever, 30 minutes away. It's a great time. I've been busy. Other than Thursday, I've actually been really busy just like sales is good so i can't complain black friday and e-commerce is always a thing i'm sure there will be a boom for cyber monday as well yeah um but yeah i have been uh had, had some cool uh i don't know revelation is the right word but uh, i guess i don't know some cool projects i'm working through the website is mm-hmm. almost done i promise and i also am going to apologize in advance i had like three or four people individually reach out to me because I didn't upload the audio of the last podcast to, uh, to yeah. <laughs> people like, what the heck? <laughs> I actually, I had a couple of people ask me about it and I was like, I have no idea, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I just, I just didn't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> fun, dude. Um, thank you so much if you, for the people who do listen to this podcast, uh, through audio, we did not forget you. I will no. make sure that it's, no, no, it's no. done at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise than that, anything, anything, or pardon me, what are you working on this week? Let's start there. So I'm going to go full nerd mode immediately. So you, you guys, you're, you're screwed already. Um, I, I wanted to get the Pokemon newspaper done for this cast. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, um, and I know this is going to be disappointing because I know if I was listening, I'd be like, oh, come on, man. Um, but I spent this last week uh, on a Thanksgiving break we're in. I was touching my computer for maybe maybe an hour, maybe two hours a day, uh, which meant that I got nothing done. <laughs> which that was, was work for us over Thanksgiving? Uh, which was phenomenal <laughs> for my, my mental health. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was, I, was, I was actually interacting with people and actually doing things outside of this. Uh, I actually had somebody ask me at a certain point, what do you do outside of work? Uh, which was a really awkward question for me because this is my work and I didn't have an answer. So um, I actually stepped away from work for a week um, and I was just interacting with people, having having fun with relatives and meeting really new relatives because I was meeting my in-laws. So um, that was that was how I spent that week. So I apologize that I don't have yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that Pokemon newspaper ready. I will share screen and show you guys kind of what I'm looking at right now from a very raw fundamental level. I'll try and get a more, uh, I am working, I told Zakiel earlier, I'm working on a web app, which will, um, show Pokemon data, um, which will hopefully allow you guys all to look for a specific card. If you're looking at it, see the price history, see just kind of um, either graded sales, whether it's PSA 10 through seven, I am gonna create a a arbitrary cutoff at seven just due to the time constraints um, and show you kind of how it's selling on TCG, all of that jazz. So I I haven't forgot about you, I am working on it. I just (laughs) wasn't able to get to it this week. So uh, I'm very excited to be working on that now. Very excited, honestly, to be back working on it. Uh, I love doing this stuff, guys, don't worry. Uh, I'm so, just hearing yeah. excuses, man. That's all yeah, no, that's fair. That's totally fair. Dude, <laughs> if I was in your shoes, that's all I'd be hearing, too. So. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just messing. 
yeah, yeah. How did? How about you? <laughs> Were you working on anything? Good. Yeah, yeah. So more PSA submissions. Like I said, I've I've tried to make it an effort to submit every other week. I want to get three a month. Uh, I've been doing two a month, but um, uh, I whatever I have, I think 150 cards this time. I've been churning through a bunch of stuff. I had some cool customer uh, discussions, I guess, if you will, some, some good conversations I'll share later on in the cast that were really cool. Uh, I've been sourcing a good amount of retail arbitrage stuff through the uh, Pokemon TCG deals discord. I really like the way their discord is structured. You get pinged as soon as uploads happen and all that stuff. It's pretty cool. And then the, with that said, there's also a bunch of people who ping just a meme and, and kind of make it a pain, but um there's that. And then my blog, the website is done. My article is mostly done. I know, again, as equal to you, I've been saying this for three weeks now, but uh, I, I just want to make sure I produce quality work. So that'll hopefully come out this week. Um, hoping to probably have that out by Tuesday, Wednesday, hopefully by our next cast, we'll be able to go over it a little bit more, but rainydaycollectibles.com. Uh, and that's it, man. That's about yeah. it. Yeah, if you ever want another uh, content producer to write something for that, feel free to feel free to let me know. Sure, sure, I'll I'll ask you to contact somebody. <laughs> but no, I'm, ah! joking. I'm joking. Ah! I'm just messing with you. Um, I was like, I don't write succinctly, but I I mean, I'm gonna stop with the self bashing after that. Oh my god! I'm, I'm just messing with you. Um, okay, it's okay. You only hurt my soul. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's exist. you're good. Let's start with our first topic every week. Uh, yeah. which is Wolf's Weekly Insights. And this will be our first time you'll be sharing some data um, yeah. for the video audience. And then I'm assuming we'll kind of just talk through it for the people who are listening at home. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to share my screen here. Hopefully, does that work? Yep, we're good. So we're going to start off with, this is basically TCG data. So uh, in the future, I really hope to have a data studio report, which will make this look far prettier far more intuitive, which will give you a lot more filter action to, to search out things that you specifically want to look at. Uh, but for now, I've got it um, basically set up just to show you guys what I can, uh, because I know I promised you something last week, I want to give you something this week. Um, so looking at today, I just want to show you that this is clearly just the best selling card this week. So I do have a preset uh, query here, anyone who's familiar with SQL. I want uh, whatever I show you to be above $10. Uh, so I think it's very telling that the best-selling card above $10 sells for $70. Um, that should tell you a lot. I would expect something that would sell for $11 to be the best-selling card because it's so cheap. No, 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 no. Uh, Charizard VMAX from Darkness Ablaze is clearly the best-selling card. Uh, even though it sells for $70 a copy. If this doesn't tell you that Charizard is the sexiest thing in Pokemon, I don't know what it will. Uh, and this is not an uncommon occurrence. We will see this, I promise you, no matter what data that I show you going forward, this will be a common theme. Um, and this is not even graded, this is raw. Everybody wants Charizard. So that all said, you can see right here, uh, you can see the rank here because this won't be directly in order because I have it filtered above that $10 mark. I don't want to show you guys bulk. If you sell bulk, please let us know. I, I'm happy to, do, to provide that for you. I try and show uh, information that I believe to be pragmatic, what's useful. 
Uh, so I've, I've filtered above that, but I think it's just very curious to see uh, something that I do want to take uh, kind of a full time segment to show, even though I am only showing uh, the best selling data as of uh, November 29th, dating our podcast. I'm sorry, Zekiel. Um, but uh, Marnie, I, I mentioned this to you before. She I, I grew up with Misty, okay. I don't understand Marnie at all. I've never actually seen a Marnie card, uh, but dear Lord, this card sells and it sells really, really well. Any card that says the word Marnie on it, I, I'll just tell you from reviewing day over day over day data, Marnie is extremely popular with the Pokemon crowd. She is always, 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 always in the top 10 to 20, either once, if not twice, if not three times. Um, so if you pull this card from any modern um, pack opening, uh, I would not be disappointed at all. I will say I have not really seen Marnie data involved with uh, graded data. Um, that said, just her price premium, you, you've got a buyer. You've always got a buyer with Marnie. So I think that was, um, I think that's just a, a fascinating discovery, something that's that's kind of fun to just kind of notice and, and just be aware of. Uh, I also think it's interesting that we are looking at, when I look at this data, we are looking at modern and Watsi era cards combined. Uh, so when you see cards like Venusaur, I called this out last week. I'm going to call it out again this week. It's an incredibly well-selling card. I mean, it is selling it is selling at a rate that is comparable to vivid voltage, new modern set cards. And I think that it totally makes sense. This card is just incredibly undervalued right now. And as long as people uh, were not raising that price tag, and I don't know why as a collective community, because this card is worth way more than it's currently charging. This makes total sense to me, just that this base set Venusaur will be up there with the Sword and Shield, Darkness Ablaze, um, cause the, the graded premium for Venusaur is just so incredibly enticing. I don't know why you don't. And even at a price tag of $31, I'm, what are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, I think Zekiel will get to this more with, uh, with our pricing retrace, but as things stand right now, it's, it just totally makes sense. I don't, it, it's amazing to me that it's not number one and that's just, but it's, it's incredible for me to see that even in modern company cards that are being printed right now, Venusaur is still selling at that rate. Uh, I think what's more of an alarm bell is that the price isn't, um, isn't much, much higher than this. Uh, I think for its demand rate, the, and knowing what its graded value is, this price tag is way, way, way too low. And if the market isn't reacting to that and raising that price, I would be, um, I'm a little concerned. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, Zakiel? Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm looking at the listing now on, on TCG. Um, mm -hmm. Part at a high level, I wonder if the reason this card has been selling is it is definitively the third, it's in third place among the mm -hmm. original three. Um, but it's still of equal importance for collectors. So as far as like, it's great, like Charmander or Charmander, Charizard is always going to be the king of Pokemon. But if you're trying to work on a base set, we are trying to get the original Charizard or uh, trio. There's a mm -hmm. lot of value to this card. And I think that the supply was probably drastically 
the supply was probably far too high. And as we talked about last week, right, there's probably just a very large delta between the raw price and what it's being sold for. Um, I also wonder partially is if the TCG market is like a little bit low, like, I don't, do you know when TCG player updates its market pricing? I, I don't know when. I have the strong suspicion that they based their sales off of um, the X most recently sold cards. In so what, in what condition out of curiosity? That's the question. Okay, gotcha. Um, I don't know. So I could tell you right now what, um, so TCG shows two different listings when you, when you go look at their website and, uh, with Pokemon, it is erratic to say the, to say the best. Um, so they have one price tag. So you'll see in the little box underneath the card icon, when you, when you go and you'll scroll down a little bit and you'll see the market estimate, which will be say like $30. Um, and then you'll scroll down and then you'll see the lowest listed copy. Um, which with Pokemon, I specifically choose the value in that little rectangular box because it is so crazy. <laughs> so um, sometimes, and I'll tell you right now, the card that I am filtering out here very specifically, and I mentioned it before, uh, and it popped up again, even though I've refreshed the data, is Lapras from Fossil Edition. Yeah, yeah it's so expensive. And but that but that's because on TCG it'll say like the the market estimate in the little box will say that it's like three dollars and thirty cents or or some I'm yeah. wrong but it's something of that nature. But then when you go to buy the 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 actual edition list for sale, it's like fifteen dollars, and that disparity exists on so many of these Pokemon cards because their price has been changing so quickly and so erratically. So I like to choose the the TCG market price in that rectangular box because I believe that they are weighting it in a manner that is, I think, healthier for the marketplace in terms of like, this is what's sold, this is what people are actually paying, and this is what we will actually equate the value of this card to as opposed to what buyers are actually asking for, which, um, uh, some certain sites that might have goldfish in, in, in their title will do, uh, which will be very um, unintuitive uh, for, for the average user. So I like, I like to, to stay with that, that metric because even though I don't totally know what TCG is, is doing to create that number, uh, I've seen through personal experience that I, I believe it is more reliable. Um, so that's what I'm showing you guys here to, to try and avoid that. Um, again, I think it's worrisome though, that, that Venusaur, even though like I'm hyping it here last week and I'll hype it again this week, it worries me that even though I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of people are sending their Venusaurs in to get graded right now, that this is still a card because it's not a Blastoise. It's not a Charizard, Charizard specifically. Um, this, like, I'm, I'm just really worried about the impact of when we actually start to get cards returned from PSA and bulk, what will happen to Venusaur? Because you're right that collectors need it and they need it right now. But it strikes me as being what should be the easiest card to get. And when these cards start coming back, uh, I, I really don't see like a PSA 10 Venusaur from base set. I don't see how this card holds like a five, $6,000 price tag. What do you think? No, it won't. And, and it won't at all. And we'll get into that. Um, in a minute here, but I completely agree. Other quick note, Charizard is currently the cheapest Charizard you can get on TCG player uh, is about $150 for LP. Wow. 
the cheapest Venusaur you can get, I think, in LP is uh, I see one at eighty. So just off of like, just off of the the demand for the card alone, I going back like the raw dollar value is certainly a is, is certainly a thing here because again, there's probably a situation where you can buy two Venusaurs for every Charizard. Um, and of course, demand is different, but like it's still part of the original trio. So as, as far as inventory optimization or inventory management, like maybe you're better yeah. served as a vendor to just buy more of the cheap stuff because uh, it can flip a bit faster. But anyway, that's our inf- that's my interpretation of it. Who knows? But yeah, I, I, like I really think it's like interesting. You mentioned too, like for people collecting, but people who are collecting, they only want one of each. Yeah. So even if they put a premium on Charizard and are willing to pay more for Charizard, exactly what you just said, if you can buy two Venusaurs for a Charizard, if you're a vendor, if you're a seller, if you're somebody who's buying and selling these cards, it just makes so much more sense to go for Venusaurs than Charizards, uh, just, you know, uh, profit per card. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, th- but, but this is, again, this is raw. Uh, so I'm going to switch tabs here. As you guys can see, I've got a lot of tabs open. Before you um, do, do you mind reading off the top 10 just for the people who are listening? Absolutely. So the I'll just read the, the top, the name of the card, the set, and the market price that it's at. So number one is Charizard VMAX out of Darkness Ablaze, which is selling for about $70 each. Number two is Venusaur out of base set, which is selling for about $30.50. Number three, we've got the M Charizard EX full art out of Evolutions. Evolutions, uh, you guys got to know by now. Uh, The market price is about $32, selling very well. Then we have the Marnie full art out of Sword and Shield, uh, which is selling for about $24 each. Again, I love Marnie. If I am, and I am, I'm buying a lot of Marnies if I'm investing in, in Pokemon. I'm buying a ton of Marnies. Um, Zacian uh, 5 or Zacian V full art out of Sword and Shield base set is right underneath Marnie, selling for about $12 each. Flareon out of Jungle, uh, which is number six, is going to be selling for about $12 each. Boss's Orders full art. I've never heard of this card. Rebel Clash selling for about $22 each. Um, number eight is Jolteon out of Jungle, selling for $11 each. Number nine is Dragonite out of Fossil, Hollow Rare, selling for about $15 each. And the very last is uh, Eternatus VMAX Secret out of Darkness Ablaze, which is selling for about $14 each. Um, and just to give you guys kind of just, again, a comprehensive guideline, this is sales rate. So these are cards that are selling quickly at their current market value. So uh, glean from that whatever insight you wish. Cool. Yeah. So shifting over to graded. So let me click this tab over. You guys, you're looking at my personal database again. I, I really hope to get you guys a little bit better visuals because this is, uh, well, we all know this is horrid. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I will try to improve this. Um, so thank you. You're generous. <laughs> and you, you you're a sequel. You're a SQL expert. You, yeah. Um, so I limited this this query to show only graded results of nine or better, uh, because I mean that's what we're all here for. If we're looking at graded, we want to know what's nine or better. So uh, if you get something graded below that, I will be going down to seven in the future. Um, the um, time constraints of going deeper than that are just too deep. I was telling Ezekiel before this. 
um, I could start my search Sunday at midnight and to get PSA 10 through one, I would not get my results until Friday mid afternoon. And if anything crashes in between those two points appearing in, in time, I lose everything. So uh, we're going to cut anything under six and under. We're just going to cut it loose unless there's really popular demand for it. Uh, I, I will create a brand new server and dedicate it to that. But until then, this is what I'm doing. I wonder um, quickly, is it easier? And we talk about softcast too. I wonder if, is there more validity to just batch process everything? You just do 10, like 10 not, and just do them all separately? Yes, the issue... It's rate limiting. So oh, okay, 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 okay. the the API that I am querying for this information, it's not going to care. So what I could do is I could split it up um, by IP addresses and, and try and split it apart. However, there is still a rate limit. And if I start doing that from five or six consistent IP addresses, they're going to notice and they're going to get rid of me. Yeah. So what I would rather do is I would rather, and, and I mean, this is just, I mean, people talk about going green and being respectful of the resources that you're mining. It's exactly what I'm trying to do right now. It's, I don't want to abuse the resource that I have. I'm not gonna advertise it on a public basis, but I'm also gonna be respectful to that source. And sure. I'm gonna insert time delays wherein I know I will not overwhelm their server because that, I apologize for kids out there. That's a dick move <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. That's, just, that's, just not a, that's just not a respectful, smart, proper move, whatever you wanna call it, it's just wrong. I'm and not going to be the person that does who it. have no idea what we're talking about. It's basically when you ask a, a server API for information, you can literally over, you can send a million requests and overwhelm the server. Um, or you can do it respectfully and uh, you know, whatever, send one every yeah. five seconds or whatever it may be. And it's just good etiquette to, to uh, have better yeah. processes. But anyway, uh, yeah. back, let's go back. <laughs> no, that's perfect because to, to give you a frame of reference too, I would be waiting two seconds for every card request. And some of you out there might be going, well, two seconds, that's nothing. You could get everything. There are so many cards in Magic's history. It would still take me from Sunday at midnight to Friday at 3 p.m. going at two seconds a card to get there. Uh, so... Um, I like I can't provide everything and I would rather provide everything in a small isolated sample. It really becomes at the programmer's discretion at that point. Um, and I would rather be respectful and get what I find meaningful. Uh, so again, if it's useful for folks, I can do that and I can do it again in a respectful manner. But until then, this is what I'm going to do. So looking at this data, and this is only tens and nines, um, I, I, I feel like the graded area is kind of like the upper echelon of Pokemon finance. So um, you guys will also be able to tell the last time I refreshed this data was 1122. Uh, again, I apologize. I didn't get to rerun it today. Um, that's, that's on me just because of travel constraints and everything. So this data is accurate as of November 22nd, which is slightly before Thanksgiving, which I honestly believe next week when I refresh this, this will look very different because I can tell you from other TCG sales, people got very bored on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and it will be very curious where they spent their money. But for now, as just kind of a precursor, I think I've found this to be extremely interesting is that shadowless and I've kind of gathered this from looking at the PSA reports. I think Shadowless is either on par with first edition, if not more rare, um, just because the number of Shadowless copies graded at a higher volume 
is it's really truly equivalent or less than the first edition copies because people see first edition, they're like, I got to get it graded. Here we go. But Shadowless, I really think is on an equivalent field. It's one that I know, um, Zekiel, you can please tear this argument apart. Uh, no, but Shadowless no, I, is, I, yeah, I go will, ahead. I No, no, no. I, I think it's more about perception because I think first yeah. edition is still rarer, but I think Shadowless, Shadowless and base set were functionally the same for a really long time and and still functionally are the same for a lot of people like it isn't until the yeah. past five years where there's been a big discrepancy and really like first edition in of it in and of itself was what people were looking for like when people were looking for rare cards they just looked for the stamp they didn't look at the mm -hmm. border so i think that's probably what it is see but for me when i look at it and i really want you to please interrupt me when i say this because sure. i think in a healthy marketplace when you're based off of pure demand and supply the supply of shadowless and first edition are very similar. So the fact that there's a large price discrepancy between first and shadowless, I think there will always be some form of price discrepancy because everybody does want first. That said, the supply being so similar does not warrant the price discrepancy that currently exists. And so that to me makes a lot of sense for why if you're investing in Pokemon, Shadowless would make an excellent place to put your money because first edition has skyrocketed and you know, fair, fair enough because people who don't understand the hobby, they will see that first edition symbol and they will understand that very easily. But when the spotlight changes and when you, in what you have in the market are really people who want Pokemon cards, who understand the Pokemon market, understand, what was printed and when um, I really think shadowless really stands to, to really gain the most value among educated buyers, because I don't think we have a lot of educated buyers you're, right you now. You are completely correct. hundred <laughs> okay. percent correct. Um, it's all about perception. Yeah. Like which is yeah. why it's they, people want the stamp now that for all intents and purposes, first edition base is out of like, is out of the realm of possibility for the, the average collector. Maybe you get one or two hollows that you've had for a while, or you're able to save up and trade and do whatever. Uh, Shadowless is, is now going to be what people are chasing for because they can afford it. And, and the distinction is yeah. only going to continue to grow because of like the pop for that is still much smaller than base on base unlimited. So I completely agree. That's yeah. actually an amusing point. So for me, I, I learned it when I was buying Onyxes. Shocker. Um, I was able to buy, <laughs> I love Onyx. Um, I was able to buy a shadowless Onyx for $70. Uh, but to get a first edition Onyx was 500. That was wrong. And I knew that was wrong. And that is the main reason why I still don't have a first edition Onyx coming for you. But like, I know that that existence in the marketplace is wrong as an educated buyer. The fact that shadowless to first edition, that disparity, either I'm making a fantastic deal on my shadowless or first edition is priced correctly and my shadowless is priced way too low. Yeah. It's one I or the other. Probably what it is. And either way, if you're investing in shadowless, I think it is a phenomenal place to be just for Pokemon because even when the spotlight turns off of Pokemon, that will mean you have less educated buyers and the more educated buyers will understand that the print run was, was, yeah, they will understand the context of what we're doing, uh, which I think is where I want to be. Um, all of that said, we're looking at data and I apologize. I've gone off on a huge tangent. Um, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> You're good. 
So I, I want to skip down here to number 10. So I'll list off, as you said uh, before, just for everybody who's listening. Um, something else that I just want to point out real quickly that I will do in the future is um, when I look at eBay graded sales, I will in the future be separating out buy it now, which are colloquially nicknamed BIN. So buy it now, B-I-N, buy it now versus auction cards because uh, buy it nows have the ability to be on the market for you know 30, 60, 90, 120 plus days versus auctions are usually set between, you know it's either gonna sell in a day, seven days, 14 days. They have very uh, specific requirements to sell. And again, I've, I've always told you guys, I think pragmatism is the way to really drive a market forward, especially with data. And when you wanna know what will sell, uh, if you're going to sell a graded card on eBay, which I'm going to say is the predominant, uh, most solid way to do it. If you sell it on social media, so be it. God bless you. Um, but if you sell it on eBay, I want to be able to tell you, is it better to sell it as an auction or is it better to list it as buy and now? I think that is really, really useful information as somebody who sells a lot on eBay. So I will be making that separation in the future going forward. So Right now you're seeing them combined, as you can see by this listing type here in the future, you will not see this, this column. I will separate it for you and present that information and have a discussion about it. But uh, just that's my disclaimer. So um, with all that said, the best selling card in terms of graded for nines and tens would be Charizard at a base set, which is a PSA nine, um, which is selling for about 2,300. Um, when you list this card, you can, probably expect a listing completion time of about eight days. You're going to expect about 200 views. Buyers for this card will be far and few in between, but those who do look will be willing to pay. Uh, and that gives you a good range of expectation that there are 200 buyers willing to spend 2350, which, you know, you can take with a grain of salt, but I think it's interesting to note. Yeah, uh, some percentage, but yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So second will be Venusaur. I, not that I've been talking about that card at all out of base set PSA 10 selling for $4,000 as a buy it now. Um, that card gets on average about 150 people looking at it and that lasts for about five days on eBay. So my God, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> the, the next one up would be, uh, we've got Charizard out of Shadowless, which is PSA 9. This card is selling for, um, this is really fascinating to me. So we've got one that sells for about 8,000 and one that sells for 2,000. The difference here is the length of the auction. And this is something that I think we would really have to investigate the methodology of these auctions because one looks like uh, um, it got a lot of hype. It got 2,000 people to look at it. It lasted for a full 10 days on the auction, let everybody bid at it uh, and it sold for 8,000. The other person, it looks like they lost their nerve. It really does look like they lost their nerve because this auction was up for three days. This line right here, they only got one fourth of views and they sold at 1970. So what this tells me right here is either somebody offered the, the um, I guess the sponsor or the owner of the auction a flat price and they took it, they snapped it just to sell it or they just didn't wanna wait uh, I really, this does not look like a logical decision to me. When you look at these two, they sold on the same day. One was there for a prior six days. So if you think about it, the person who listed this other Charizard's shadow list should have seen this one, this one at number three as an example and not sold. But if there's anything I know about the marketplace, it's not logical. Somebody here clearly wanted money 
they sold it way too early. They got $2,000. They were happy for it, but they did not maximize their potential earnings. And really, it only hurt themselves. Um, what do you think, Zagil? No, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm just realizing something. When mm. someone accepts an offer, are you considering that buy it now? Yes. So I wonder if this, because this Venus force seems a little high to me. I just wonder out of curiosity if someone accepted an offer and the bin price is what's being pulled. That could be something. No, when I see the total listing price, I see the accepted offer. Okay. 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 So yep. yeah, that's just a really expensive Venus. <laughs> yep. uh, but no, I, I agree. I think, you know, and, and it's interesting because a lot of these cards, I think it's really important to view Pokemon cards at this moment in time, six months from now will be different, but at this moment in time to be far more about one of ones than mm -hmm. like just a normal TCG player card, right? Like you're selling cards in TCG play. There's a million of them there versus if we're yeah. buying graded, like, there may be two PSA nines, like you're saying, and one of them, like someone just has some dopamine hit and just say, or they had a bunch of coffee, like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I want it. And they're willing to pay double. But also I do, I do like the point about you saying that the auction time was double on the, on the higher one. Yeah. So I something that I will point. Yeah. I will point out for the Venusaur that I think is important is that it was only on the market for five days and we know Charizard is King and it was on the market for eight and 10 days here. So when I look at this and I see that this is specifically a PSA 10, somebody was hunting for PSA 10 and they're not looking every day. They looked on the day that they looked and they saw that somebody actually had a Venusaur PSA 10. They didn't care about the price tag. They wanted a PSA 10. <laughs> Who bought this? That, that, <laughs> That's how that's how I interpret this. Hey, no, dude, no, who, I agree. Who, if that's who pays seventy five thousand for a PSA ten base at Charizard, it's somebody with this kind of cash roll, because the, that that's how I interpret this when I look at it, because it makes no sense otherwise, uh, unless it was you there's know also, an inside deal. But I yeah, there's also some like shill bidding stuff, which maybe yeah. it, it's hard to. I mean, that's like the whole thing for data, right? Like it. Yeah. We have to interpret it. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I no, know. I agree with you. I agree with you. And so in an auction form, this is why I will filter out any auction that completes in less than one day. And you can tell me I'm, you know, filtering out all of the best deals, but I'm also filtering out all a lot of the manipulation you're going to see. Somebody who lists a card for $80,000 and it sells for $80,000, that is not an uncommon occurrence, believe it or not. Yeah. I will not show you that in my data because that is horse shit. Yeah. I I'm swearing a lot. I apologize, <laughs> um, but it's it's so not real, and it, it I'm just not even gonna play in that realm. Uh, but when you look at our top ten here, we've got Charizard out of base set, we've got Venusaur out of base set, we've got Charizard out of Shadowless, Squirtle out of Shadowless, uh, PSA ten on the Squirtles, PSA ten on the Bulbasaur, which is next out of Shadowless, uh, Charmander out of Shadowless, PSA ten, Chansey. Base set first edition, PSA 9. I think that card should merit extreme interest. Chance the base set first edition. If you can find that card, buy it. Yeah. <laughs> that card is so rare. And who, I, I love Chansey. I mean, I'm biased. Um, Pikachu out of base set first edition, PSA 10, selling for 2700 Um, I will take special time for this one, Espeon. This is the only card that's not in Shadowless or Base Set or First Edition, whatever you want to call it. It is Espeon Neo Discovery First Edition. 
Um, and I've noticed this dealing in our banned Pokemon Discord, and I've noticed this just looking at eBay sales. Eevee's evolutions, um, like Huge Espeon, yeah. Umbreon, yeah. Oh, my my sweet baby lore. They, <laughs> they have a price premium. And if you have them and if you can get a hold of them, do not sell them idly. Like, like grade them. If you don't grade them, sit on them or price them accordingly. If anybody's listening to this, I think if you're listening to this, you're going to price properly. But for the sake of anybody who, who might not, if you have any evolution of Eevee from these early uh, editions of Pokemon, my, my Lord. Um, and I think it's something that the new generation can relate to because there's constantly new evolutions for Eevee and, and they kind of get in on the fun of like, you know, we grew up, there were only three evolutions, maybe six, but now there's more and more and more, but they also get to be a part of that. And then they, they experience those evolutions. So I think that is a card that I think generationally will translate well, but that is pure speculation. Um, but I really do. Um, I am very, very bullish on the EV and the EV evolutions because of that. Um, and finally, uh, I'll, I'll just throw out um, is Machamp out of base at first edition. Uh, which is PSA 10, which sold for $5,000, but that had been on the market uh, out of all of these, the longest that had been on the market for 20 days. That is, uh, I would say, uh, in uh, not ordinary sale. Um, and something that I want to point out, and you told me this, Ezekiel, actually, when I was first buying my first collection, uh, what was the deal with Machamp first edition? They're all first edition. <laughs> it was the uh, starter deck, I think. It was one of the yeah. decks that one of their selling points was everyone gets a first edition card and it, it's Machamp. So if you go through collections, it's incredibly common. So people will be like, hey, I have a first edition, po a hollow Pokemon. It, it's Machamp. <laughs> it's always Machamp. So I, I would say that this is the classic example of an uneducated buyer buying something with that first edition stamp and paying way too much. Um, that would be my personal recommendation and i would base that recommendation based off of this right here this listing completion days it took 20 days so you had plenty of people i mean if you look at all of these other cards that are selling whether it's auction uh, well these are mostly auctions so i apologize so it will be a shorter time frame but even the buy it now this was not a deal that people jumped on okay this took a long time for someone to be willing to buy and Basically, someone to be somebody was willing to buy it in this marketplace, but I don't think it was a, an extremely educated buyer. So there is a distinction between the. So there is a real first edition Machamp. It has a shadowless, like it is shadowless. There's Ooh. also a base set, unlimited version, so it has a shadow with a first edition stamp. Depending on which one this is, if this is the actual base set first edition then it, the the pwcc most recent auction closed at six thousand uh last week so that okay. one may actually be a very valid sale if that and they're unfortunately pulled at the same thing because they're all first edition uh they're often pulled together but if it is a first edition starter deck or like promo one uh then yeah that's much a very very large overpay i could i could definitely figure that out um i didn't I know, that. know how you could to be honest but you can try. I can figure yeah, that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. No, I promise you, I can figure that out. Uh, I it did not even occur to me because again, I didn't have the knowledge. So knowing that knowledge, I can definitely, I can definitely figure that out. So uh, I'll let you guys know next week when I have a little bit more time to uh, to, to investigate that.
Well, I think people, I'm sure we appreciate the data. And if people, while we can't, um, your, your tool and stuff isn't done yet, but if yeah. people want to have access to these kinds of tools, uh, where can they uh, find your information and stuff? So you guys can find me at uh, the, the band community on Patreon. Um, we are definitely at, actually on December 1st, we're restructuring our, our Patreon layout. So people will be able to join again. We're, we're restructuring everything, uh, allowing people to join. We're going to actually probably switch to predominantly invite methodology only. Uh, so make friends with somebody who's part of band already, if you're not. Um, and, and that's how we're going to start rolling forward things. But you can definitely gain access if you can get involved with uh, band um, I'm going to be creating a band newspaper similar to the other TCGs that I've created. We're going to be involving Pokemon for sure within the next three months. I will have something up and running without a doubt. Uh, and from Pokemon going forward, I think Yu-Gi-Oh is my next target. And then sneakers definitely are on my horizon. Uh, I think Flesh and Blood, which is a TCG that's recently started, which is gaining a, a lot of popularity very quickly. Um, we have actually a very dedicated following already, which is weird to me because I've never played the game, uh, but I've never played Pokemon either. So I've got to <laughs> get on board quickly with these things. Um, those, those are definitely some projects in the future that you will definitely have access to in terms of data going forward from, from the Ben community. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, tweet him. <laughs> if you want if you want direct link just yeah. ask him on twitter you'll, you'll get sorted out seriously but. you guys will get a lot of results if you harass me whether it's on discord or twitter because <laughs> um, of tin street yeah i respond very quickly if you actually at me and i'm not saying don't i mean do it because then i know what i need to actually work on and it motivates me so please do cool cool um so the other thing that I wanted to talk about this week was, I don't know where to look. Should I look here? There, here. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Pokemon retraces. And we've seen a small, probably 20% retrace since the peak hike. The, pardon me, sorry. Peak sales, I guess peak interest uh, after all of the social media buzz from Logan Paul and a bunch of other people. Um, supply, I mean, there's... There, there was a point in time in which you would just express grade everything that you possibly had that was first edition base. Uh, I think that period that still holds true right now, but uh, the prices are coming, turning to come down as supply is re-entering the market. And I think just general interest is, is dissipating back to what it should be. It's not a uh, complete FOMO. Um, but one of the videos that I saw today and I posted this on Twitter was a ZNG Emporium who runs the U.S. side of Graded Gem, which is a, a grading submission kind of middleman. Uh, he had a great four-hour video that went over um, basically just all of the customers who were submitting cards. And just as one sample size for similar vendors who do the same thing across the world, and by extension, a handful of collectors and vendors, including myself, that are submitting cards all the time, there's a lot of Pokemon cards coming. <laughs> there's a lot of Pokemon cards coming. And even the cards that are rare, like even the first edition Lugias and stuff uh, that are currently selling for crazy amounts of money. I do think that getting PSA 10 versions are, is still going to be very hard. Um, but anything after that, I mean, I think there's going to be a huge influx in nines. There'll be somewhat of an influx in tens across the board. But um, I think it's really, really important to realize that like we are at peak hike or I keep saying that we are at peak hype. There we go. Sorry, hype. Peak yeah, hype. hype. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and uh, this is strictly a seller's market in my opinion, right? I'm not buying yeah. any great, I'm not adding to my collection at this point. And like, I feel very comfortable holding cash for the stuff that I'm looking to buy and waiting until the new year. Um, especially because there's a lot of other economic factors. We don't know what's going to happen if we have another national shutdown, which I think is fairly likely. Um, we don't, again, like how much of the cards that were purchased were purely for speculative movement. Like if people are just getting in and getting out and the moment that prices retrace, is there a possibility that like someone who's strictly in it for a fine, like, is there a possibility we just see wall street bets in Pokemon? Like people just like they're in, they start losing money and everyone panic sells, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I, no, no, no. I am going to be what I'm going to be greedy as hell. Sure. I'm just going to be straightforward. Um, there, there's two possibilities for Pokemon's future. Either it declines drastically in value, the hype passes and nobody wants to buy these cards and everybody's caught trying to sell and, um, we're all already screwed. Um, I don't think that's the case. What I think, and I'm modeling this off of um, a price tendency that I've seen from another TCG that that has recently modernized it, its processes. Um, what you often see is that there is a drastic price decline when everybody realizes what the card is worth. And what I mean by that is everybody who has the card on hand is going to sell it immediately to cover their their cost immediately they're going to cover their cost and whatever else they have afterwards they're going to sell at a profit but any established vendor anybody who's doing this professionally anybody who's selling in bulk is going to immediately try and sell their cards just to cover their cost and it's not wrong guarantee the profit yeah exactly exactly it's guaranteeing that anything they sell after that will be profit and that's so be it you know you know hats off to you um but in the meantime, when you're watching it, that means that the deals to be had will be will be made in that immediate time span. And what I mean by that is that uh, I expect a lot of these these graded cards from Pokemon to come back between January 15th and February 15th, which means there will be a glut of these cards. And by glut, there will be a ton of these cards. And, and I what think is it? 90% of them are going to be for sale. Yeah. I think everyone who's grading, I think there are very few collectors that are submitting cards because they just want the, I think everyone is, is selling. So if the Pokemon market is sustainable and if it will continue into the future, which is the real bet here, the time to buy will be between January 15th and February 15th. When all of these cards are coming in and the sellers without realizing it are racing themselves to the bottom because, Hey, everybody's getting their crap, but I want to make my sale. I want to make my sale and I want to make it profitable. There's a lot of gray area for them to do that. I mean, if you just open this card, if you had it in your collection, yada, 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 they could sell it for $300 and make a profit. So they are going to be racing each other to the bottom. And this is where we will really establish what the Pokemon market is. Um, and I don't think it's going to, crash i think it'll come down a lot I, I really do think it'll come down a lot but if you're looking for an area to buy that will be the time period because after that period there's never going to be a rush like this to sell no. yeah there will never not. be a period wherein it will be as much of a buyer's market again and i think going forward from that time period it will be a much more stable and healthy market wherein we wherein consumer demand will be much more in line with supply. It will never be this um, this different this this differential will never exist again. 
because it's too volatile and a marketplace doesn't do this very often. So that opportunity for sellers, they had it. And if they were able to capitalize on it, I'm sure they made probably tens of thousands, if not more on it. Going forward, it's going to be a much more stable marketplace. And if you're willing to play ball in that stable marketplace, I really do think January 15th, February 15th will be the time of just um, stability in terms of sellers fighting themselves in a methodology that you will never see again. Uh, so for me, when you talk about it, I'm thinking like January 15th, I'm going to I'm going to start switching on notifications and I'm actually going to start buying um, because I, I really think that will be the strategy to take there. And I think there's a lot more specificity in what you buy going forward, but just in general, I think, I think that's a general guideline. I agree. And I, I, I don't believe that Pokemon is going to doomsday just be done at all. Yeah. Like the brand and card, like the fan base is way too powerful. It's a, it's a great collectible. Like I, I love it. The one thing that I want to add on, and this is something that you brought up a couple of weeks ago, is that I think that people have to realize there are multiple different interested parties in this market. If you watch channels on YouTube or you read content from content creators who are collectors, they're always in it for long-term. It's like, I want to finish this set. I want to finish this set. I want to finish this set. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. It's basically like index fund investing. It's like, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs, but like, I'm just in it for the long haul. I enjoy it for what it is and I don't care. That in the long run is probably where you should be if you're actually interested in, in the collectible. The second part of it is what you and I would fall under and many of the people probably listening is the people who have somewhat of an e-commerce presence and are vendors that are either grinding through collections, um, grading their own cars, actively buying and selling kind of speculatively to make money them it's it and many collectors do that as well but it's more common on the uh um sorry my phone is blown up it's more common i think than people think and the reality is ever since that peak hype cycle happened when we saw uh, the logan paul video we saw the pwcc auction i think first edition base is still going to be fine right charge no one's selling their charizard who bought it for a quarter of a million dollars everything else though all of those cards were sold to parties who wanted to flip them. All of the collections that were brought into LGSs or found by people in their basement that just got submitted in order to flip on eBay, those are all, there is no intention to keep any of those cards. And that supply influx may be 50% of the current population. Like supply may, may could supply double? I think supply could easily double on Unlimited. And the point being that like, is this a doomsday scenario? No. Are, do I believe these cards um, have a place if you're like a long-term collector and you should be working towards like finishing your collection? Do I think that you're going to like suddenly just lose all of the value you've accrued? No. Um, but is there going to be a dip? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a huge dip. And like, it's, I think people are underprepared a lot. I mean, like, again, we can't call the market. This is what, this is what my inference would be. Um, but I, I just don't think people are ready for minute for this man. Like people, there are so many submissions. There are so many, this, the brand was so big. There are so many cards being graded, like easily. I've heard estimates between half a million to a million cards at PSA just for Pokemon alone. And yes, the rarest sets. Yes. Like Neo Genesis first edition is probably a safe bet. Yes. First edition base is still a safe bet, but everything in between, all of like your mid-range stuff, I, I do not want to be holding that. I want to flip that to buy other stuff. So 
the interesting thing is where the rubber meets the road for me is when this happens, what happens to sealed? Because if graded prices fall and your sealed EV is still only a fraction of what you bought it for, does that mean sealed is going to like collapse? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Probably not because there's still a, a premium for having a sealed product, but like for all of the people, all of the YouTubers who have been opening product just to sell, like selling packs to doing that, like how much more sealed is there? And of all of that sealed, like how much of that are you just like continuing to buy on the hype cycle? Uh, I'll say this for every, every TCG that I can think of outside of my very main one. And that's, that's a very different scenario that I would love to go in in depth. Um, but for Pokemon, for Yu-Gi-Oh, for other TCGs of that nature, I will specifically say that if you are a disciplined seller, you will make more off of sealed than you ever will off of singles. And you should stick with sealed and not do singles because not only with the time saved, but also cleaner in cleaner, but given the demand of your consumer base, you will make a lot more, but your methodology of selling must switch from selling singles. So if you sell singles, you are trying to sell the prize card. And if you're not trying to sell the prize card, you are essentially, um, and this is kind of filling in the cracks, but I think it's a general description. You are trying to fill somebody's collection for that card, whether they need it for a deck or for their collection, you are filling in their cracks, uh, unless it's the prize card that they need. And in Pokemon, it's Charizard. Outside of that, you are filling in the cracks. But if you're selling sealed, you could always be selling them the gem card that they need. You could always be. Yeah. All it takes is the discipline as a seller not to open it yourself. And that might sound easy, but if you come into this, um, this I don't know, I guess this game, this methodology of selling as a player, Try not opening a box for two years and tell me how easy that is. Yeah. I know because I did it the hard way. <laughs> my first, my first thing that I I did was um, a special edition product that I had. I sold it before I sold it, and I still had to resist with every fiber of my being not to open it. And that profit was what taught me to eventually not do it. Um, it is so difficult as a gambler, as a former gambler, not to open a product, um, I, it is so difficult. But if you have that restraint, if you have that discipline, sealed product in Pokemon, and I think in Yu-Gi-Oh, and please correct I me mean, if I'm everywhere. speaking out of yeah. turn. No, no, everywhere. Um, I think it's still a good bet. For a long-term bet, always, 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 always. And I think specifically for Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, you are able to profit in the short term in a methodology that you will not see any more correct or um, established marketplace than you can now. Um, because it's so volatile now, so many people are willing to gamble to buy these money cards, which are incredibly overpriced at this current moment. Sealed is entirely the place to be. Entirely the place to be. And, and you're probably right. I'm probably way too uh, sky is falling. The other thing about this is really who are the actual whales in this? Like who are the actual market movers? 
And if you're a vendor and you've made half a million, a million or, or extreme collector, there's a good amount of collectors in this hobby that have made six, seven figures, like very real. Um, of the capital that has been realized since May of, or March of this year, how much of that is still going to remain in the hobby? So in other words, if you've made a million dollars this year, are you taking that and putting it into real estate or putting it into something else? Or are you going to just like reinvest that back into Pokemon? Because there's a, there's a valid play for both. And I think that at a high level is what's going to determine how long it takes that cycle to, or how long it takes for prices to come back up again. Because if you're a large vendor, you've made $5 million and you're not really interested in picking up a thousand more base set, you know, Charizards, even though there's a margin, because you're either out of Pokemon or you just don't, you're not confident in the future, then like that's going to apply downward pressure on the market. Um, and the reality is we don't have the answers, right? Like we're just going to see where it goes. But those are the questions that I'm asking at a very high level because the people who have been in Pokemon were, are going to remain in Pokemon and will be reapplying that capital or re redeploying that capital. The people who have come in speculatively, I don't think very many of them are going to be redeploying that capital at all. I will point out, we've said this many times, the amount of capital that we put into Pokemon, the profits and the proceeds we've been putting into other areas. If you Pokemon's think first crazy, if you think for a second that the higher level sellers above us haven't been doing either the same thing or something similar, sure, they might be reinvesting at percentage because their gains are so high. There, we are all now going to sit by. We've seen the first retrace in Pokemon. We are all now going to sit by and watch what happens. If you if you know what you're doing, we enjoyed the tornado. Now we're going to see what actually happens to it when we when we know we we are a manipulating force and when we know we're selling to ourselves. When we step back and just watch, what will this market do on its own? And that's going to be the real test. And we've said this for a long time. I just think we're actually seeing it now. Uh, I think that's going to be incredibly, I think it's going to be fun because I've got very little invested still in Pokemon um, just to see. And I say very little, I, I have a few thousand still, but compared to at my height, yeah. this is, this is going to be the real test for me to see when I do reinvest, it will be a much more lower margin market, but much more consistent. And that's exactly what I want. So for all of these major players that are in it and doing that, I think a lot of these vendors that want to see those margins continue, it, I think it's really going to come down to how many of them will help drive the market forward because everyone's going to hate these, these, these finance members. I really think they are going to be the, the well, entities that make or break the marketplace. That's what made the market though. Like, I mean, the market is the foundations of the market are from the collectors, but the price gains have been from speculators. Yes, like and or, now, or people who are collectors that have recently got into it, they don't care about the money, and those cards are effectively just gone, right? Like the Logics and Steve yeah. Aoki's of the world don't care. Like a million the, bucks is nothing. The speculators have now driven the marketplace up three, four, five, six hundred so, percent, though. So how many of the you know what this actual, reminds me of? Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty eighteen Bitcoin, <laughs> where everyone was in it for the money. There are adopters who really, really love it for what it is. But once the shoe fell, everyone was already up and they took their money out. Now I use Bitcoin as an example specifically, because if you would have stayed in Bitcoin at that point, you would have broke even now two or three years later, which I think will be the case for Pokemon. As long as you stay the course, you'll be fine. 
but Bitcoin in of itself is also like I and granted, I'm not gonna go too deep into Bitcoin. I I think I'm I do not own any Bitcoins. I'm not too big of a fan of it. But there's been a lot of investment on an institutional level of hedge funds and Hagia Sophia Capital through Chalamath Balahapatiya. I think owns like five percent of all of the Bitcoin population or whatever it is. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Again, like all of that money, as we talked about last week, a portion of that money is going to be taken out of the hobby entirely. A portion of the money made is going to be redistributed into other games like Yu-Gi-Oh! We've already seen a huge influx of people. And if you were really, really smart, you would have already taken your games from Pokemon and put it into Yu-Gi-Oh! You have a lot to, you stand to gain quite a bit. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Like how many people are just saying, even if you're an enfranchised collector, you've made half a million, like, yo, I'm out. I made my money. Like, I'll just get unlimited. Why do I need base? Like, why do I need first edition? Just give me unlimited. My 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 counter to that is is like at an edge because it's it's a fundamental thing that we've spoken about many times. If you want to make money, put your money in something more liquid than collectibles. Because I have no doubt in, in line with what you said that Pokemon will recover. I think it'll be 18 to 24 months before we we see the levels that we're seeing now again. Whereas if you invest in something like Bitcoin, which is a live marketplace, you can see those downs and ups at a much more rapid speed. And at that point, it becomes what kind of investor are you? And I think if you are that level of an active investor, you shouldn't be involved in collectibles. I wonder. Or they should be a much. Go ahead. Do you think the Pokemon market? I think that Bitcoin, I think Pokemon would be what Bitcoin is if it was digital. Yes, I agree. I, think I totally it would be agree. Exactly the same thing. I totally agree. But because Amazing. it's it's an in-person like thing that you can hold, it will slow it down by well, I, I definition. think the cycle will just be longer. Yes. I think it'll have the I, same, yeah. So maybe it like you're saying, maybe it's three years. Instead of two years, maybe yeah. it's three, maybe it's four. Which then, like you gotta remember, Bitcoin hit 3K, it hit 5K. People like people were like, I'm not touching this ever again. Like, you know, people were taking out and again, the same thing we talked about. People are taking out credit cards. People are taking out loans, equi- home equity loans to get Bitcoin, like crazy stuff. And I know people are doing that here because there's opportunities to make money. What I want to point out, because it, it is the number one thing which disenfranchised me from TCG collectibles when I joined, was um, very established and popular content creators espousing to buy and sell something. But the time frame was insane. If you you might think that saying buy and hold something for six months is easy, you don't know it, especially for what I is what I am perhaps preemptively and perhaps unfairly assuming the income base of a regular consumer who's listening to to our our substances is making. But if you are making under one hundred and fifty thousand. Pokemon is not the place to be right now. If yeah. you want to buy something and flip it in a timely manner to make money, no, <laughs> because it's right coming, now we, yeah. we are it's seeing so an area where it will reasonably, and you might make money. You might, you might be the exception to the rule, but right now the way that I am seeing it and the way that you've kind of described it to me too, and that it will take longer to recover than something like Bitcoin is it will take two to three years to recover to a similar point where it is now. So if you invest three, $4,000 now, you're going to have to sit on that for three to four years before you begin to see a profit margin with which it is desirable to sell. So don't do it. 
is what I'm trying to say. Put it in the stock market. Put it in I something mean, that's better. And and uh, there is and, and like in, granted, we are at this point five layers deep in conversation. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh like, yes. There is certainly a conversation that like the stock market is overinflated at this point, so you shouldn't have any like I, yes. I don't believe. Oh yes. That. But there's there's a lot of we are many layers deep. Yes. And I want to point out that the fundamentals of investing still apply to these kinds of things, right? Collectibles should still not be more than 10% of your portfolio. If this is your business, which is the way that I have it, right? My personal wealth is almost entirely tied up in index funds, but no one ever brags about index. That's boring, right? Like I made 9% this year. Ooh. <laughs> like, but the reality, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. but um, Whoa. whereas, but the difference is, with individual items, it's obviously much more difficult. Like it, the problem with any kind of collectible, any tangible item is it doesn't scale effectively well, right? Yeah. My choices for deploying $100,000 have to be fragmented into $500 chunks or into $100,000 chunk or some amount of that. And having all of your money tied up into one raw asset, unless you are an expert, unless you've been doing this for 10 years, then sure, like keep doing what you're doing. But if you're someone who's coming to the market just to get in on the hype cycle and make a couple extra bucks. Like just take your profit and leave. I, I always like to treat this because, because literally how I learned the finance game, like, and I mean, overall the finance game, like the stock investment. So sure. there was a time period wherein I literally had more invested in it than I did this than anything else. So I, I always like kind of defaulting back to that base and arguing forward of like, don't do this unless you have something better. Um, so like, I mean, you're, I you're right. College yeah. selling yeah. cards. Like you can do yeah. it. It's yeah. fine. Like there's a validity to it. We obviously do it. I've talked about every week about how I'm buying and selling cards, but understanding the difference between a buy and sell strategy for a business is a lot different from managing your personal wealth. Yes. <laughs> like don't gamble the house on, you know, on speculative yeah. stuff like this. I think TCGs of this ilk are phenomenal for their ability to teach people how um, real marketplaces work and investment strategies and, and things of that strategy work. And to take that knowledge and invest it into a real marketplace wherein you can get liquidity like that. Um, so I just, I'm constantly going to be this person. And it's not saying that, you know, Pokemon or any other TCG is, is not um worth investing in i just i'm always going to be this person who's telling you to please keep in mind there are other places to put your money wherein you have to value liquidity more than anything and in a tcg collectible and in any collectible that is not possible so that time frame that everything is going to be delayed so um i I love collectibles and I will always be involved in it, but I am always, 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 always going to tell anybody who's listening to this or any other cast that I'm in, if you need money now, this is not the area to be invested in. And if it is your sole investment, move out as fast as possible. Great. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, I know. I know it's boring. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. Wrapping up here, I want to have a, a brief topic about someone that I talked to, uh, and, and kind of a counterpoint of this entire topic, someone I talked to who's very bullish in the trading card game. I, I'm going to keep their identity um, 
uh, anonymous just for, for uh, privacy reasons, but had someone reach out to me on eBay to pick up uh, a big stack of ancient muse as I've every single week I've gone through at this point, I think a thousand ancient muse, which are like just really, really fun. Um, in addition to all my normal stuff through, through PayPal direct and, and whatever through discord and all that stuff. But one of the people I talked to, he had a, a phone number. I called him, um, and we had a, a quick just yeah sorry he had a phone number and i called him great information but um <laughs> i gave him a call to kind of talk about our the general deal that we wanted to do and i found out that he leads a business um that is seven eight seven figures of grading fees uh and is like well within eight and nine figures of, of total kind of uh, business value <laughs> and I think it's important to realize the scale of how collectibles work, right? Many people who are into collectibles are like at a high level or into baseball cards and trading cards, like troll and toad is, I would say what an eight, nine figure company. Yeah, Def definitely eight, probably nine figure company, right? All of the large vendors in, in, all, in all of the trading card game hobbies, in addition to board games and stuff are absolutely massive. Um, so keeping your money specifically in one card game isn't necessary. Um, and keeping your money specifically within one industry or one uh, aspect of, of capital allocation, I, I think is, is uh, something that's really important to think about. We talked briefly about Collector's Universe and we won't go too deep into the stock market, but um, that was a, a company that benefited from the movement of collectibles, obviously. Uh, and if you would have bought their shares from what we were talking about at about $53 a share, it's currently about 72. And this is not financial advice. Talk to a financial fiduciary professional for that. Um, but understand that you can diversify if your business is growing from an e-commerce sense, you can start to get into, and like you have to realize selling bottled water is like a nine to 10 figure business, right? Like there are so many things that you can do as an entrepreneur, as an e-commerce professional that is boring, that makes a lot of money. Um, so everyone who is incredibly emotionally attached to a lot of these things, uh, I think it's just important to take a step back and realize that uh, there's so much more to this game than um, just Pokemon or just collecting. Uh, and the point, the reason I bring this conversation up is I, and I was kind of talking, I was like, well, what do you, what, what, what was your piece of advice from getting from like a hundred thousand to a million and 1 million to 10 million. And the reality is that it's just time. It's just grinding the boring stuff as everyone knows in the same way that you do most general investment portfolios is you're just, you're making 20,000 and then you're reinvesting it back and hoping to make 30,000. You're hoping to make 10 to 20% profit and just compound compound as aggressively as you possibly can um, and hope, you know, you just do, you do one thing every single day for 10, 20 years and you're going to get there. Um, so I'm fully into Pokemon. I'm going to be in Pokemon for probably the next 10 years. Um, but that doesn't mean that all of my efforts need to just go into that. I can continue to look at other things and, and kind of continue to explore what will make me uh, the best e-commerce professional uh, that I can be. That's fair enough. All right, <laughs> it's been a long episode. Um, any other thing? Well, uh, let's wrap up here. What are you doing outside the hobby? You're going back to work, all that stuff. Thanksgiving break, I'm sure not too much, but any other side topics you wanted to mention? So uh, one of the main reasons why I was not able to uh, get you guys Pokemon did is because I, I, I have a very special personality. And I realized there was an error in one of my ensemble time series scripts for another TCG. 
uh, and I dedicated 18 hours to trying to fix it and I was unable to fix it and I'm still trying to fix it and I will spend as much time as is necessary to fix it uh, <laughs> because that is the special kind of person that I am. Um, but uh, that that is something that I'm definitely working on. I love time series analysis. It is really, truly, and honestly, my, my passion. It is something that I... I, I I'm going to do it until somebody like drags me away from a keyboard. <laughs> um, so it, it is something that I'm, I'm really working on and I hope to bring to Pokemon eventually. But for now, uh, my, my data set is just not um, expansive enough to do that. I, and for context, I would need at least 180 days before I even began to consider applying any of these methodologies to, to Pokemon. Um, that said, uh, that's just something that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I am looking forward to possibly doing a, a couple uh, talks or articles um, concerning my work in the TCG area um, as I've done it so far. It's just simply because I think I have easily 400 hours <laughs> tangled up uh, in just stuff that I've written. I, I at least have 13... 11, no, 11 scripts that I know offhand that are over 3,000 lines that I've written just for ledger upkeep. Yeah. Yes, that are, are just up for ledger upkeep or just analysis, data aggregation, computation analysis that um, I think would be better served now just sharing with the world as opposed to keeping with myself. So I, I'm looking forward to doing that in a professional manner. So uh, that is what I am looking forward to do, <laughs> just uh, given today's um, current standing. So um, working on Pokemon, getting that newspaper fixed, and also uh, have that kind of on the back burner. How about you, Zekiel? I, uh, If you fans of the show who have listened to us for probably six months know that there was a point in time which I was working on an RFID. Interview. Yes. Uh I, now, after getting the new job and holidays are here and stuff, I have a bit more time and I'm trying to figure out, or rather I've settled into the new job. I need an inventory system. When my graded submissions come back, I have, I mean, we're going to be, by the time my submissions start to come back, it's going to be a couple thousand cards at PSA. And I need to develop a system that will allow for uh, me to process inventory effectively and monitor my cost basis. Because right now I go through QuickBooks I just, like right now my current business flow is take all of my eBay and PayPal sales, import them into QuickBooks, but I have to track my cost of goods separately. Mm -hmm. um, so a, an RFID system would be the easiest way where I can just set up a simple DB, uh, scan it in, scan it out, know when it came in, and then just cross-reference it to whatever I paid for. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Nerd question. When Sorry, and you don't don't share this on cast if you don't want to. Um, the, these transactions, why is it easier to do it through QuickBooks instead of just grabbing that information from the website itself? I'm just lazy. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then so, but once you do have it in there, you're, you're converting it to a SQL database of some variety, correct? Well, and then... no. So for that, I am, so QuickBooks is tied to my bank account. So it has all of my like pirate ship information so it tracks all of my like, tracks all of my expenses. It uh, is linked to my credit card. And then I just match the expenses to what I have written down. And you, you saw that eBay switched to direct payments. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it pulls so, from, they're all separate revenue yeah. sources. So it'll pull from my bank account as well. 
I could be of value to you there, but all right. All right. We'll see. We'll have the discussion <laughs> and we'll, maybe yeah. that's something we'll share in the future as well. Uh, um, but yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I just need to develop a system where I can like, okay, if I'm getting a thousand cards, like let me just print off a ticket, stick it to the back of like the, pla- the whatever, the, the plastic wrap and then be able to track it that way. Cause like, how do I, right? Ancient Mew number nine. Um, yeah. I mean, whatever, right? Like how long have I had it? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All yeah. right. Um, that's it for this week. This has been another episode of the Collect and Spec podcast. If you were listening to this on video, you can also subscribe to this podcast on audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You should be almost everywhere. If you're listening to this on audio, you can also check it out on YouTube at Rainy Day Collectibles. Um, my name is Zakil, otherwise known as Rainy Day Collectibles Online. Stay tuned for rainydaycollectibles.com. Hopefully this week, if I'm not lazy, Chris... If people want to follow your content and again, get access to the data that we talked about at the beginning of the show, where can they find that? I will just reiterate, definitely check out rainy day collectibles, probably the best source you can be following on Twitter. Not even exaggerating. Um, If you want to follow me for whatever reason, I am the wolf of 10 street on Twitter. Uh, You can also find me at the band community on Patreon. I live and breathe in that discord. Um, Again, we will be opening up December 1st for, for, for new people to join. Um, so by the time you guys are hearing this, we should be open. So um, feel free to head on over and be more than happy to, to DM me. I'll be trying to get y- y'all involved and, and join. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm up to and that's what I'm hoping to do. Perfect. Um, awesome. Well, this has been another episode of the Collect and Spec podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys.